This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rays and Astros are going to Game 5 as the Rays are up 3-2-1 in the series. And the Dodgers put an 11 spot on the Braves and take a game three, 15 to 3 last night in Texas. We're going to talk to my boy, one of my best friends, Eric Kratz, right here on Pine Tar for Breakfast, coming up next. What up? And welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. And it's going to be a fun one today as we're going to talk a little bit AL and NLCS, mostly ALCS, with one of my best friends, former Philly and New York Yankee, Eric Kratz. I just wanted to say, I want to let you know, might be a little rough. We just have a little too much fun at times, but uh, we'll try to keep it serious for a little bit uh, and then get into uh, what we normally would do, our shenanigans. But if that doesn't happen, sorry, but we'll, we'll, we'll try to keep it pro. So I've talked many, 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 many times on the air about a certain individual, a bacon-loving individual, but one of my best friends in the game, in life, uh, one of the greatest family men, one of my favorite baseball players to watch. I actually bought a T-shirt of this guy recently. Former Philly, current, well, technically till the end of World Series, current New York Yankee, longtime big leaguer, Brewers, Pirates, Giants, Rays, came up with the Blue Jays. Anyone else I'm forgetting here? Eric Kratz. Oh, man, you're forgetting, you're forgetting all of them. Royals. Well, you're a world champion with the Royals, so my goodness. How you been, buddy? Really good, really good. I appreciate you having me on there, Rumi. Uh, Rumi, uh, no, you don't appreciate me having you on here because I just kind of waited till the end of the season, and uh, I didn't want to bother you at all uh, throughout the year coming on Pine Tar for breakfast because Phillies-Yankees, huge rivalry this year, it seemed like. Um, <laughs> so I didn't want to ruin that relationship and start talking crap to you. Uh, so with that being said, you guys are out, which unfortunately means that, uh, your season's done and I don't like that, but I get to talk to you. So let's talk me and you one-on-one. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so let's say, look, you being a part of the Rays organization for a little bit, you have an understanding of, you know, kind of the things that goes on and, and them being up right now, three, one in the ALCS, uh, they, as in the Rays, beating you guys in five-game series in the fifth game, uh, which was a fantastic series in San Diego. Uh, what, what's your what's your full take on what the Rays are doing now? Um, 
you know, as as you're seeing, it's consistent with what you saw all year, I'm sure. No doubt. I mean, when when we played the Rays, they were they were, and even when I played with them, just a very prepared team. I don't think they have any anybody who you would stand out and say, "Wow, this guy's a superstar." Besides their top two starting pitchers, you know. Now all of a sudden, you you've cut the game in half. So. I mean, you can ride starting pitching and home runs and all the way to the World Series trophy celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think we we knew it. We knew it going into that series with the Rays that that was going to be the team that came out of the American League. I don't think there's any any question about that. I think the Astros did a good job last night of winning a game, um, but even that game, the Rays came back a couple times and they were they were still you know they were still there right at the end of the game and in the game but I think I think they're a raised team that is they've done a really good job of preparing all their players to be ready to play in different situations um, obviously they you know they platoon heavily but they don't just platoon heavily they really put guys in situations to succeed and it sounds like, well, why doesn't every team do that? I don't think every manager is able to convey that message to his players when, you know, they just went three for four and then all of a sudden the next day they sit. And I think Kevin Cash does a good job of that along with uh, Snyder really, really doing a good job of having their pitchers ready to go. Their bullpen coach has their guys in the bullpen ready to go. So they're, you know, they're, and obviously, during the playoffs, you you hit a hot streak, and and they're on a hot streak right now. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a full buy-in, right? And and, and I, I think uh, it could go to many organizations, right? I mean, as far as everyone trying to you know change to an extent to that analytical world, well, there's that, but there's the buy-in and understanding, and there's the uh, it's a selflessness, right? There's no ego involved when Nick Anderson's coming in in the fifth inning instead of closing out a game. There's a reason for it. There's an understanding of the importance of that moment. And like you said, the bullpen coach is doing a great job in preparing these guys. But how much is it on, you know, for, for you being around a lot of guys, you being around a lot of relief pitchers in your, your career, where they're not in that moment of, I need to be in the seventh, I need to be in the eighth. How rare is what we're seeing with what the Rays are doing in the acceptance of the the role is part, right? Not every team could do this, but it seems like with the Rays that, you know, the, the role is part is the important part because they know that when they're being thrown in there, it's an important situation. For sure. I think it's, I think it's very rare, but that's why not all 30 teams make it to the world series at the end of the season. Hmm. And those are the rare things that push teams over that push the, the Yankees over the Indians, the Astros over the A's. There's those rare things that when, I mean, you even saw it in the A's series against the Astros, Liam Hendricks threw like 50 pitches the <laughs> night before, and he said he was he was ready to take the ball the next day. And he came he, up with a huge save. And he and, did throw in 100. <laughs> you know, so, so a guy like that going into his free agent year, he has to have the ego mm-hmm. 
to want the ball there. He has to have the ego to say, you know what? I probably don't feel fresh, but I'm going to get out there and hammer some hammer some heaters in the top of the zone. And But you have to have enough of enough humbleness to say I am going to go out there and do it I could possibly hurt myself I could possibly you know if he blows out in that second in that second inning there or the second game when he came out after throwing 50 pitches the day before and he doesn't go into free agency he's going to kick himself but he also understands the moment of the situation and that's what gets teams to that point. I'm not saying that's a guaranteed World Series win because obviously the A's didn't didn't do it, but you, you see a mindset of a group that when your best pitcher, possibly one of the best relief pitchers in baseball the past two years is willing to do that, you're, you're going to get the most out of them. You're going to get yeah. the most out of your team. Yep. And sometimes the most is still short, but you know what? That's what I think fans really want is you get the most out of it. And and that egoless, selfless thought process also has to have an ego behind it, yeah. pushing that. Well, and I think that only comes with confidence. Well, for sure. And and here's the other thing, because this is not this is not one knock on Roldis Chapman, but he's a he's a closer. Like he's a ninth inning guy. He is like when we talk about knowing your role, there's there's certain people that have uh the track record. They have it on the back of their baseball card. Like this is this is your ninth inning guy. No one's getting by him, right? I mean, there there are those those. Now we think you know they're unique circumstances, right? Because uh, there's not these bona fide like, oh, this guy's for sure. This guy's the ninth inning guy, but he's one of those. It doesn't mean that he is like, oh, I he can't he can't pitch in the fifth. Why would you? You know what I mean? Like you're, he's that yeah. guy that's stopping so many things. So there's there's that there's that mix between it. But when you're a team like the Rays, who had 13 guys have a save, 13 guys in a 60 game season had one save or more, uh, it, it just says something about you know the organization and just how they go about things. But not only that, the players, right? The selflessness of the players. For sure, for sure, and and they have to. You know, they're, they're, they're unique situations. I think some of it can be these guys have less than three years of service mm-hmm. um, because pitchers definitely, especially relief pitchers, and I think the Rays ran into it this year, injuries are 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 going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the guys that stay healthy, you know, as a closer, if you're the bona fide closer for a team, you might get 50 appearances. <laughs> If you're the bona fide sixth, seventh, eighth inning guy, you might get 75 appearances. 100%. Yep. And way more, way more, hey, got to get hot. Nah, you're not in the game as those middle release guys. Closers, you're in the game. Yep. And if you're not in the game, maybe you warmed up and there was a ninth inning homer to put it up by four, but that's, that's rare. That's rare, and that's a you know. So there's there's some longevity to it, and there's a there's a sense of bullpen guys with the Rays having less service that they're in positions where they're still hungry. Yeah, they still want to have that, and you know what? You got to go out there. That's the that's the biggest thing in 
in baseball. People think you talk about Rawls Chapman. Most, probably all but 1% of relievers in the big leagues, I can look them in the face and I can say, well, you're not him. You're not Craig Kimbrell in his prime. Like, look at, look at what you're looking at. You know, those are like 1% guys. So everybody else, yep. you need to look at yourself and say, what do you have to do to get the most out of your career? Because you're my middle relief guy. And I get it. You want to make the most money. You want to win World Series. And that's going to take you being out there 75 times because you're my guy and I'm going to go to you. And if the player doesn't buy into that, you could stand on your head as a manager mm-hmm. and you ain't getting, you ain't getting nothing out of it. And you're better off not having him down there. Cause he is only, those guys are in a freaking Petri dish down there and whatever, <laughs> whatever is talked about, everybody seems to believe it. Yep. Very few people in the bullpen have their own opinion. And when they do, they're, they're weirdos. Yep. That's a fact. And so you set those guys up with a bullpen coach who sets them up for success yeah. But also, you know, it's constantly just dripping a little honey in their ears, saying, "Hey, this is this is good what we're doing here. This is great for you. This is." And all of a sudden, now pitchers they buy into that stuff. Yep. Yep. No, and 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 it's interesting to see because I mean, you're seeing it throughout the the postseason with the Rays. But I mean, like, look, they're going up against the Astros, who. Uh, Rightfully so, or the the most villained team, even more than the Yankees this year, for probably the first time ever. Right? I mean, we could all agree about about that. Uh, yep. And you know, there's certain things that we're we're seeing throughout this. We're seeing uh, the Rays and, and the pitching staff answering. We're seeing the Houston Astros. I mean, the amount of lineouts that they've had with runners in scoring position. They finally get a hit last night with the runners in scoring position with Jose Altuve. Uh, it took till game four to get that first one, but you you you're seeing a team that has really good players, you know, and and the scandal is always going to be the scandal. We get that, um, but they answered the bell last night, down three zero in 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 the series. Uh, they come back. Jose Altuve hits the 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 you know a home run in the first inning that that actually I think ignites him a little bit, gives him a little bit of a breather, even though he's done it a few times already. Uh, it it. it I think in a in a game, an elimination game, when your big guy or in this case little guy steps up in a big moment and, and comes up, it plays a huge part. But then it comes to the pitching side and Zach Granke. Like we saw Tyler Glass now throwing a hundred, hundred and one, and then Granke just living at eighty eight to ninety. Just nice little little sink, little cut, little four seamer, curveball slider, everything, the change up, the grunts. What what you know, when you look at Zach Granke, what did you see last night that you're going Damn, it's fun to watch a guy because you're a catcher. You you catch more power guys in the league with the Yankees. More, it, it, it's a fact. But then you see a Zach Greinke and the artistry that he had last night. He and Maldonado seemed like they were on the same page for the first time in a while. What what was your reaction to what Zach Greinke was and and did last night? Yeah, I mean it's you could you could have a whole you could have a whole show talking about what it's like to be on the same page with a guy that can absolutely paint like he like he was last night. Uh, you know, I even think that home run that he threw to Rosarena was I don't know that was necessarily where he wanted it. You know, if there's a pitch that he misses with, it's his curveball. Yeah. But 
you know, he's very seldom trying to throw that pitch for, you know, nibble. He's, you know, he's, he's trying to bounce it. He's trying to get somebody out front. And, you know, so even that, that's what he got hurt on. But it's so awesome to watch a guy who he gets a strike on the edge. <clears throat> now it's a one-two count. He knows exactly where he can still go. He knows he can go up and in to, to X, you know, okay, let's, let's go G-Man Choi. G-Man Choi struggles with balls belt high and above. You know, mm-hmm. so he has an area up above there that he always can throw his heater to. And even G-Man Choi, people will say, well, he's only throwing 89. How can you throw 89 by somebody? Well, G-Man Choi still has to time up the 89. Everyone, you know, you don't just all of a sudden, well, it's only 89, so I can wait forever to hit it. No, it's, you're still timing it up, just like you're timing up 100. And so the whole at-bat, he has an opportunity to – he knows he can finish Choi up in the zone. But he gets a corner, he gets a called strike on a painted on a painted it looked like a little backdoor cutter. Yeah. He called a fastball, but it looked like a little backdoor cutter. Um that he got painted. Next pitch, he went a little farther off. It was early in the game. He wanted to see where Chris Conroy, the umpire, would give him. Maldonado's an incredible receiver back there. So he's gonna make it Look great. He throws it two inches off. Chris Conroy doesn't bite. Okay. You know, you tested it. It's like, I want to see, I know, I know I'm going to go swimming in this pool, but I want to see how, <laughs> see how warm the water is. I'm dipping my toe in it. And then what did he do? Next pitch. Next pitch, he went back. Yeah. And he just put a four seamer, no cut this time, four seamer about two inches above the belt. Fouled off, went a little bit higher, fouled off. Then he went back to when Choi was probably thinking he was going to throw him a changeup, and Choi had a little late swing, swing and miss, strike three. Yeah. And, you know, so, so he's incredibly gifted, clearly. Again, Zach Grinke, a one-percenter. He was in the big leagues at 20 years old, 19. And he was throwing 97 at that point. He's a one percenter in control. He is able. He could never throw a strike if the umpire keeps continually calling it. He won't throw a strike. Mm-hmm. But he's also incredibly prepared. He knows what guys can and can't hit, and he'll just exploit it. Yeah. And he exploited it in that at bat, and that's it's such a cool, awesome thing to watch. What? As awesome as it is calling a you know calling a hundred mile an hour fastball because you're like. Eh. They're not going to catch <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, and he grunts like he has a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, which is even better. But, like, it, you know, for, for a situation last night, you know, six inning, bases loaded, and I I, I guess it's because it's so rare these days um, to see a manager have that, that moment where he goes out to the mound and doesn't make the decision after the top step, and he went out and talked to Zach Granke and Dusty Baker doing this, and to figure it out, like, Yep, he's got it, and to stick with him and not go by the numbers. I mean, how many times? And I know this because I've been on on the mound when you've come out there fighting for your pitcher to stay in. Uh, how cool is that to see? Because we know what this world is all about. We know the matchup plans, but to see a manager trust in his guy, and I get it, the money's there and all this stuff. Blah blah. blah it, it, it's fine. This is the biggest stakes. This is an elimination game. This is the biggest moment and. Rosarena's already shot him, you know. Dusty looked in his eye, 
said, you're the man. And what happened? He delivered. And that is not, not something that is, you can't, you can't script it. Nope. But you also can't script how many playoffs Dusty Baker has taken. How many teams now? All five. Is it? Is it five? It's all five. Yeah, he's got the Giants for many years. He has the uh, the Cubs, the Reds, the Nationals, and now the Houston Nationals. There you go. Yeah, I'm trying and, to think. Are all all but be... all but the Reds? I think he's taken two. No, the Nationals. He didn't take the ALC or the NLCS. I think three of the right, teams no. he's taken to the CS. So, I mean, yep. <laughs> and 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 you know what? And he's made mistakes he's along the way too in those playoffs, at, right? So you got to learn. It's like absolutely. any player. Yeah. Absolutely. But that's where I think the Rays have an advantage because mistakes as a as an organization, they know that mistakes happen and their front office is willing to make mistakes. And they've even told their coaching staff, make mistakes, but make mistakes in the eye of progress. Yeah. You know, yeah. how do you, uh, it, it was such a, it was such a, I mean, I, Spent three weeks there. No, but you know, it was such a cool, it was such a cool environment and something cool to hear that we're encouraged to make mistakes. Try something for the betterment of the team, for the for the moment, and see what happens. And you know what? When you make a mistake, we're going to learn from it and we're going to get better. So it's kind of like you know, refining the gold. You you have to you have to melt it down to get the crap out of it, and then when you have a much better product at the end of it, and I think Dusty Baker is in a situation where he can make a mistake. Yeah, and I think well because he's got managers, James Click who who came from the Rays as his GM now, yeah. and I think yeah. that that you could you could sense that. I mean, it's it, for sure. But he also has just like you said about Grinky, he also has he also has. You know, he has time. Yep. He has time. And you, you can't sit there and say, you can't sit there and say, oh, man, like, I'm trying to think of a rookie, you know, what rookie pitcher is starting a game at the beginning of the season in April. You can't sit there and say, ah, you know what? I saw it in his eyes. Mm. I saw it in his eyes. He was going to be able to complete this game. No, yeah. you get to know this guy <laughs> by the playoffs. If you don't know this guy as a manager, when you go out there, you can't do anything but follow the numbers. Yeah. And I'm okay with following the numbers. That is not an issue. You well, follow the numbers because the numbers aren't wrong. But in this moment, I needed Zach Grinke to get a Rosarena out. I didn't care if he turned his glove around and pulled a Pat Vendetti and threw it left-handed. I needed him to get him out. And you know what? He did, and and I and I would and I don't know Dusty Baker at all, but oh, I would best. assume he knows he knows that Grinky, and he knew what he wanted to hear from him, and if Grinky was like, oh, you know what, ah, you know, I guess I'll try to get him. And Grinky might not been the answer. No, and Grinky's <laughs> such a different personality. We all know that. Yep. And so that's yep. understanding. Like, look, this guy's not going to be like, I'm, he's not going to fight. He's just going to be like, he's going to be monotone in that situation. And you just got to be able to pick it up because it's not going to be like, leave me in, leave me in, not screaming no, and yelling. Right. And, and, and certain guys do that. Scherzer will do that. Right. I mean, because that's, that's Max. 
and, and sometimes you got to look in the brown eye. No doubt. But, no doubt. But that, I mean, it, you, but you look out there, you look out there at Scherzer, and he's just he's grunting and spitting. <laughs> and if you go out there, you're just no, no, I got this guy. You know what? I don't think you've taken yourself out of the situation to understand what this takes. I'm taking you out of the game. But yep. you go out there, and Max Scherzer's like, no, I got you. This yep. is my guy. Yep. Then I'm like, and that's knowing your guy. So if Grinky's out there cussing and spitting, you're like, whoa, he might really want this guy. You know, but, <laughs> but you got to know him. Yeah, you got to know gotta, him. I mean, how many times Doc, Roy Holiday, oh. Chuck, Chuck went hey. Chuck went to Chooch, and he goes, he, he told Chooch, he's like, hey, Chooch, go on and talk to him. And Chooch looks over at him, he goes, Charlie, you talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wanted to go out to the mound and talk to the guy. You know? So if Doc stares, turns to you in the dugout and stares as you're on the top step, you just take a step back. Yeah. You take a step back and you let the guy put the tail between your it. legs and kind of walk backwards and be like, Yeah, I got you. You got you're good, Roy. You're good. And and Cliff was completely different. Mm-hmm. Cole was completely different. I remember one time Cole wanted to stay in the game and Chuck was like uh, how you, how you how you feel? And Cole was like, "I I got I got this guy. I got you got it. You got no. I got this guy. You gotta let me in." And Chuck was like, "No, your call's I better. Think that's it. Your call is better than your Chuck, but your call is perfect." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but another time, Cole was he we were in Miami and he had a he had a CG going, and he walked out there. He looked at him. And all he said was, he was just like, yeah, I got him. And I, I, you know, I don't even remember in my mind, I remember it being Justin Ruggiano, but it probably wasn't. But I just remember he could throw change-ups to Ruggiano all day long. And, oh, and he I remember he got over the top, yeah. And Chuck, and Chuck, Chuck left him out there. So it, it's, it's something that you got to know your guy. you got to know the numbers. Absolutely. 100%. The manager who doesn't know the numbers is behind the eight ball before analytics even came out. Yep. But you also got to know your guys. You got to know the situation. If it if the situation calls to block the pitch, you got to be able to block the pitch. Well, see, th- th- this is this is a good talk we can have because we are talking to Eric Kratz of the New York Yankees, former Philly bacon lover, great guy. You like that? I got yourself some sound effects in here. Uh, but That's the most cheering I've had in a long time. <laughs> uh, so... Because there was no fans in the stands, let's be honest here. Uh, You couldn't get the cheers this year. But uh, the question I have for you is, like the guy like, so Ian Anderson uh, of the Atlanta Braves, the other night really grinds through four innings, but he grinded. And they gave him, Brian Snicker gave him a longer leash than I ever thought he would. And I know from talking to so many people within the Braves organization, you see the guys that come up and how prepared they are as far as pitchers. He had done this in the minor leagues. He had gotten himself into trouble, but he got himself out. And the use of his mind, the use of obviously his stuff and executing in the belief, that wasn't just learned, right, in in the big leagues. It was learned well before that. And we're seeing so often uh, throughout so many different systems where guy gets in trouble, guy gets taken out. He doesn't get the ability. He doesn't have the ability now to understand how to get out of the situation, think himself through it, because not all the time he's going to have his 
his A stuff, but he has to think himself through it with the catcher and execute that. Um, where's the fine line? You've caught these guys for many years. You've caught guys that have fought in the minor leagues through situations, but you've also caught guys that have never had that chance because they've been taken out. Where is that fine line? Well, first thing, I got five words. He's in the book, and that's only four, so the fifth word is twice. But a guy like Ian Anderson, they didn't do that in his first outing. His first outing was against us, and he went, I think, like five innings perfect or five innings no hit. Mm-hmm. So he started he started building that relationship. And the fine line is going to always be in the mistakes. As a minor league manager, that's not your choice. As an organization, that's your choice. Yeah, but that's you that's the part is where's that fine line between understanding as an organization, this is this is needed for the kid. It's this the is huge. It's in the mistakes. And I don't think it's a I don't think it's a it's sheer luck that the Braves always are producing pitchers. I, I don't I haven't been in the Braves organization. But, but you played against them. I played against them, and they always pitchers. And I know going in, minor leagues, big leagues, that what their pitching philosophy is going to be, and they're not they're not like any other. They're not unlike any other team. They're going out to get the best pitchers. They're going out to get guys that throw hard. Mm-hmm. But you know what else the guys do? They throw strikes. Mm-hmm. And I think a guy like Ian Anderson, if he's throwing strikes, He's got an opportunity to do well, and I think I think the to answer your question, where is that line? Where's that fine line? The fine line is in the mistakes. You have to be as an organization okay with making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Give give the players give the players the knowledge that hey, you know what? We're going to push you here. Give the agent knowledge that hey we're going to push you we don't want you to get hurt we absolutely love you as a player we love you as an individual but we see this in but what you. if you don't love him as an individual then you've already you've already fallen behind <laughs> seriously seriously <laughs> you, you you have an organization full of a bunch of young men yep. that are trying to chase their dreams and if you don't love those guys as an individual, as your own son, you're, you're doing them. And ultimately if you're selfish and it's just for your organization, you're doing your organization at this service. Yeah. You have to, you have to put their well being ahead of the organization and up mind blown here. The organization is going to improve. Absolutely, 100% guaranteed. No matter if you're a high-level money organization or if you're a no-money organization. The organizations that take care of people as much as possible have successful seasons. Now, you know, you, you, take, a, you take an organization like, like the Royals. They have no money. They've been down in the dumps since you know, 14 and 15, mm-hmm. but they're building towards something. 
they're building towards getting better. They're building towards, and, and they make mistakes. And they're Absolutely not deviating they from that plan. They're not deviating from, you know, they make adjustments to things, yep. but they're not deviating from their core principles. Yep. And that is very, besides somebody who doesn't honestly look at the situation, there's very few people that come out of the Royals organization and be like, man. But where did Dayton come from? Where did Dayton Moore come from? There you go. And it, it, it just like the Braves. It, exactly. And it's one of those things where you look and, and again, I, you know, there's some people, have been, this guy's played in so many different organizations. I take it as a huge compliment uh, for like a guy like yourself. And you look at the franchises you played for. Um, there's, uh, I'm going to say probably 90% of them are top market teams that needed you. So you understand the makeups of organizations, whether you've been in the organization for three weeks, one week, a month, three years, 10 years, doesn't matter. You understand that. And I feel like, you know, hearing that perspective and understanding, look, the Rays, they're doing something very, very, very right. The Dodgers, well, they kind of, you know, had the the, the footprint of everything before. And then they get Andrew Friedman from the Rays, the Royals. You know, they they have their thing at, at times, but their belief in their core pro, you know principles that you talk about come from the Braves. It's like there's not that many teams that you could say are the main tree, right? The A's are a tree. Like they, they've now sprouted a little bit, but haven't had as much success away from everything. But like the, for me, I look at the Rays, the Braves, and the A's, weird to say like that but as teams and organizations (laughs) that have because i i I had to chop off the astros because of everything that happened so it's just one of those things but for those three teams for me that's those are the top three and and i could be way off which i normally am but that's fine but that's my core that's my belief that if i'm if i'm building organizations i look at them and i go what have they done you know why are they so successful the Dodgers are so successful because they have insane talent, but they've developed this talent, uh, and and they've and they've implemented you know things core pr- principles that the Rays have had for so many years with uh, under Andrew Friedman. Yep, and also, you know, th- there's yes, the Dodgers have insane talent, but they continually produce people that come up to the big Bro. leagues. And healthier. I mean, look, it's not. It's not team. even. It's not even depth, right? It's qual. It's like insane quality depth that they have. That you're going, what? Because usually you're like, okay, an organization is only as good as their the depth that they have, and, and all this stuff. It's yep. like, okay, that's cool. Uh, then you you go to like the Dodgers, and you're like, oh yeah, like you're only as good as well. They're all stars that possibly are in AAA right now playing. You know, Gavin and- Lux. <laughs> That guy's Dustin Dustin uh, May. Yeah. Will Smith might be might be one of the top five catchers in the game. Yeah. He wasn't even the highest rated catcher. Kybert Ruiz was the highest rated catcher in that organization. And everything I've heard about him is he is an incredible person and has been working on his defense. Like normally you hear, oh, you know, top rated catcher must be a terrible guy if he's not in the big league, gets passed up by Will Smith. No, he's still working. Yep. Is he pissed? How's he's pissed? He doesn't want to be. No, but Will Smith league. earned his way there, right? I mean, there's like there, there's something with the Dodgers, and and you could say that 
you know, even with the Yankees too, uh, you not a lot of teams you earn. You know, there's there's a lot of injury and lack of depth. Uh, hence why I was in the big leagues at 23. I'd only been in the minor leagues for a, a year and a half. It was because the Giants had the lack of depth because of injury, right? And I kept moving up quick. Yep. I kept producing, but it was one of those things where yep. I, I know, you know, it took me a while to understand why, you know, that, that whole situation. We've taught you and I have talked about it plenty, but yep. you earn everything with the Dodgers. Like you get called up, it's like, uh oh. Like when when I hear a guy gets called up, you're going, oh, how hard does this guy throw? How nasty is this guy? Because why? Because they have these guys that come in that are quality depth that aren't just like, yeah, he's just, you, know, you have Kershaw go down. Well, Gonsolin's throwing. He's throwing 97 cheese. Kershaw went down opening day. Dustin May's going to fill in. They don't have fill-in guys throwing 88, 92. They got dudes throwing 95 plus. <laughs> yep. and, the, and the Yankees, the Yankees are the same way. Yeah. And it's a different... It's a different, it's a different mindset there too. Like for instance, Davey Garcia, he gets called up. El Nino. He gets called up with, with the, you know, fifteen twenty other organizations. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? You're going to be our number five guy for the next eight starts. No, his first two starts, they optioned him down the next day. They optioned him down the next day after he went six and seven innings when during a time when our rotation was struggling, even Cole was struggling. And, you know, he was, he was kind of a linchpin to, to a rotation that was struggling and kind of got us back on track and other organizations, they give him a chance to stay up there. He got optioned down. Now, did he come right back? Absolutely. Started five days later. Absolutely. But he got optioned down, and had there not been an injury, he wouldn't have been back up yeah. right away. Yeah. They, had him, they had him just like the other alternate site guys, you know, ready to ready to go back down to the alternate site and get more innings in instead of help us make the playoffs, which yeah. he ultimately ended up doing. And besides his last outing, did unbelievable. So it's a different – it's a different environment and more is expected of you. And I think that's how the organizations run. And it's no doubt that, you know, a lot of the players that are on that team are homegrown or they're plucked from other organizations at a, at a, from a lower level. You know, it's interesting you bring that because, okay, so let me ask you this. Uh, as far as guys making debuts or even young pitchers this year or p- position players, how beneficial was it that there? And and I, and I say this with with you know never taking them for granted in the fans, but without fans in the stands, did you see a less pressurized situation for these guys, even in the pressure cooker? Like I, they, they know that this is the biggest thing. But without the, taking that fan element out, could you see a little bit more out of these rookies? You think this year? You could, you could. Yes, I really think. I mean, there's you, no. There, you can push it. It's just a feeling. So that's why I'm I'm asking this. I mean, what you saw, what I saw, and what I experienced, I think went hand in hand. I think the only part of no fans that helped was just the distraction pregame 
Yeah. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't that, like, in my mind, I was still thinking, oh, man, do I need to leave tickets? All the way up until the playoffs, like, <laughs> oh, oh, wait, no, I don't need to, to leave tickets. You know, and that's, yeah. that's a minor distraction. No, but, but, it's, rookie, but, it, but it is something. As a rookie, it is a distraction. And as a rookie, you come to the big leagues, and there are other distractions. There's nightlife distractions. There's other things that I think help rookies. Once you're out in the game, honestly, it didn't feel like it didn't feel like there was no fans. When you're in the game, you knew what you were playing for. So I guess for a rookie, you know, now that I say that out loud, you know, for a rookie, maybe they didn't quite know what they were playing for. But I think on the good team, the discussion of the playoffs in the World Series, it's it's almost a daily thing. So. It's in your face. You're you're there. You're there to win a World Series, and anything else is anything else is a you know. You're just distracting yourself. You know. Yep. If you win, you have to you have to make sure that you're always you know you're always locked into that. You're always talking about that for the rookies. But the whole no fans. I think I think the no fans thing. Will you'll see you'll see it affect guys more, and I think I think the negative effect of no fans. I think some of the really good players didn't have as good a years because they're used to they're used to feeding off the fans in a big spot in the sixth inning where they're going to get the game winning hit, or yeah. Yeah, the yeah, eighth yeah. inning when they're going to dig deep for you know a little bit extra life on their ninety eight mile an hour fastball. You know, so I think I think it. I think it probably affected them a little bit more, but the the ones I really cared about was I'm getting to the end of my career, but the guys that made their debuts, their family wasn't able to come. Yeah, and watch. that that's the part that I that's, I struggle that's with. Tough. Yeah, well, because I mean, you know, from me and with my family, like being able to you know come up in San Francisco and have everyone around. Uh, Sam's my brother. It was it, it, it it's one of those things where I never can forget that. And these yep. guys don't have that. And to talk to a few of them afterwards, like Spencer Howard or Alec Bohm and, and, and to find out like, yeah, they're watching on zoom and all this stuff and, you know, doing stuff for it. Just, it, it, it sucks. Like Ian Anderson goes out the other day in Texas and pitches in front of his family for the first time in the big leagues. It's like, damn, yep. like you for, you almost take that for granted. Like you do. Until something like that happens in 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 the postseason. Yeah, no, and that's and that's something that I felt bad for those guys, and it'll never be something that they'll be able to get back. But I think it'll, I think it'll help them appreciate it. Oh, once, I hope so. Once fans and family are able to come, and I also think they're gonna, they're going to step back and be like, man, remember when when there's no fans and we didn't have to talk to media before games and we didn't have uh, tickets to worry about or is this person sitting with this person to worry about or you know dude drama about, drama of people at the games how about <laughs> that in in New York especially for the Yankees like you don't have any media like I mean you got to do a zoom it's call crazy. but really how nice was that like it, it's just because there's a hundred people it seems like every day maybe even more than that normally every day <laughs> Every day, but I, you know, look, it's, me, it's not, it's, it's, it's not, it's different. not, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to, it, cause I am well, on the Aaron media Judge, side. 
Yeah, for sure. For, it's got to be Aaron a breather. Jones, I mean, it had it, it, it was. We talked about it, and he's like, it, it, "It's unbelievable because they they ask him questions pregame, they ask him questions postgame, if he's playing or if he's not playing, if he gets the game winning hit or he doesn't. He is every single day asked by maybe only three people, but there's twenty waiting, and it's from spring training." the very last game of the season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I when I think of you know the postseason and and you 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 go you think about how many teams that you've been on to be in the postseason. Uh, what the Dodgers did last night, scoring eleven runs in the uh, in the first inning. Whew! I mean that's a lot. Uh, let me ask you this because again you talk about like Davey Garcia. Uh, in your relationship with him and, and making sure that he was good. They've, you know, some great stories written about you with him. You're with Kyle Wright, and you're in a situation like that. And he mentioned something after the game. I mean, I don't know if you caught it, but they asked him, like, you know, how, how quickly do you want to forget about it? And he's like, no, I want to learn from this. Like, if you're a catcher, well, you are a catcher, but if you're his catcher and you <laughs> hear that, like, wh- like how – how much are you going to be taken aback by going, oh, this guy's got it. Like, this guy gets it. Like, because it, it, you, it's not like you're, you're waiting for, but you kind of want to see how he's going to react as a teammate, number one. But as a, as a catcher, as someone that's been in the, you know, in the grind with him right there, how big was that moment to hear that? That I didn't, I didn't hear it, but that says a lot about him. And, and, and I don't know him at all, but that says a lot about him. And I can only go, you know, with Davey. Davey went into Boston, and I don't remember what his ERA was, maybe a three or something. And he gave up a six spot on two bad pitches to to uh, Chavis, and he get you know he gave up two three run homers, so he gave up six six runs. And after every game before that, it had all been quality starts. He had the most the most long. I think I think it was the most like six plus inning starts on our on our staff mm-hmm. and he came up part way through the year and after every start he would sit in the dugout you know most pitchers go up and they put their shorts on and they wait for the high five line after the game's over and he would sit in the dugout he would cheer the guys on he's not he's not loud or anything but he would sit in the dugout and when he gave up those six runs what, what do you see most pitchers doing then uh, you don't see him. Right? You don't see him. <laughs> yep. And where was he? Top he was the top on staff. the bench. Yep. He was on the bench, same place as he ever was. He looked dejected. But if he didn't look dejected, I'd be pissed. Yeah. But he was dejected, but he was the exact same guy. He was the exact same guy. He was back out there. And that's, and that's a barometer of how you gauge people. And you gauge their maturity. And you but, – but, you know – to go up and say something to him in those moments, I think all that work needs to be done before that bad start. <laughs> you can't yeah. just develop a relationship. You can't be a starting, you know, you can't be the best starting pitcher on the team. And some young guy comes up and the first time you talk to him is when he does terrible and the cameras are on you. You know, that's, that's ingenuine. Ingenuous. Disingenuous. Disingenuous. Do I have to Isn't teach you I things? No. Do I have to teach you things? I mean, 
this is this is you gave me life lessons for our whole entire like career my career it seemed like you know post you know 2010 so i i, I feel like i, I get be, to teach you things. i can be taught oh okay. i can i can be taught. yeah you're coachable you you're coachable old dog new tricks you're not old like technically like you are but like you're not like look at look look at your like your body man like you're just in incredible shape jeez like i want to be you you got to have my tan you you should get my I've tan i to watch a lot of games well that's true that's true but it's uh it's field level you're bad <laughs> uh all right so here here's here's the thing i need uh raise 3-1 right now up on the astros uh which I actually enjoy, and I know uh, there's a lot of people that are kind of making a big deal about this, but seven straight days, if it gets to that point, uh, you get to actually see who the best teams are, like his teams. It's not like, well, we're riding three guys in the pen this whole time. Like You get to see the whole exactly. roster. I actually enjoy it. So Rays 3-1 over the Astros. Uh, do, they, do they close it out tonight? Who's starting for him? I don't even know. Uh, you know, that's a good question. Th- tonight might be one of those opener nights for him. Let me look. The Snell started game one, right? Yep. So it would be, he'd be back again for um, game five. Preview of that. And or no, 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 no. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be back. He would be back for uh, be game, back six. For game six. And it has them, it Thompson. has, it actually has them both listed as the TBDs. And we know TBD, pretty damn good pitcher. So they're always statless, right? The TBD. So you don't know. I mean, so they're always good. Yeah. Well, no, really good. Yeah. So I'm going, I'm going to go. Uh, I had, I had Rays and, and Braves from the beginning. So I have to stick with that. Uh, but I think they get it done tonight. I, I actually think they get it done tonight. Well, then I agree with you. Okay. Uh, what about That's Braves, Braves Dodgers? Um, Dodgers coming back last night with a, just a huge, huge, you know, couple innings they got a couple of their big guys out of the lineup you know quickly and and same with the Braves I mean Freddie Freeman and Acuna being able to rest Darno being able to rest I think is actually uh I'm not going to say beneficial but it can be you know get in a bat sure. and and get them off their feet uh I I this is the one I hope goes seven games because I just I I don't know I just this is the best two teams that I've seen all year uh, and that's again a personal thing. This is nothing against you guys. It was just I, I love the way both teams play. They they yeah, you like their style. I I do because they're not I, the best teams, but you like their style. I I well I I think they are the best teams. I do. Uh, it, it, you know especially how about the National League because the 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 Rays for me they are built with a lot of talent. You know as far as like what you were saying, no superstars, but a lot of talent. A lot of winning players, a lot of winning prepared players. Two strikes, yep. you know, they're going to grind you, but they're going to strike out a ton, but they're still going to grind yep. you. Doesn't mean, you know, yep. anything. Uh, but two strikes, they're not getting out of the way of a ball. You know, I find that to be winning you baseball. Like their style. I love it. But with the Dodgers you and, like, and, and you Braves. Like you're looking in a mirror. Eh, with talent. Yeah. So, um, like, like, like power. You, you you think about like uh you know Captain America you know how he first comes in and he's like this is scrawny dude he looks in the mirror and all that stuff, well that was me, and then you look at the Rays and it's like the big old dude right like the Captain America like all built and everything with steroids and everything. that that that's that's them yeah that's them. Okay. So okay. so you're saying the Rays are taking steroids? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. 
No, I just like I, I, I find like Belichick's always talked about complimentary football, right? And in, in with the Patriots yep. for so long. Well, the Rays and I, and I I think this with the Rays, the Dodgers, and the Braves, they play complimentary baseball because yep. not one thing you can overlook with any of them. Like the power, yep. obviously, there, the offense, the hitting is there, uh, the pitching, the relief core, but the base running, the fielding, the intangible things of going to the right base, throwing to the right bases, throwing through the cutoff guys. Um, you know, th- that's the stuff that I, I look at from those three organizations right now. They're head, they're, they're head and shoulders above everyone in my mind because uh, they they cross everything off, and it, it's insane. So that's why I want the Braves and, and, and Dodgers to go to seven. All right, well, then, then let me ask you this. Had Luke Voigt in a two-run home run and Chapman closed it out in the ninth and we win 3-2, would you be saying the same thing about the Yankees? No, I wouldn't. Would you be saying the same thing about the race? Oh, they just came yeah, up short. I actually, I actually would. I, I actually thought, uh, you know, because doing a lot of the MLB Network radio stuff, I, I just there was something about a, there's a different grind from your batters. Like if you had, if you had three or four DJ Lemayhews, because I, I, I've always been infatuated with that guy because of the power, of the the line to line, but it's. It's everything that he does, not just the, the offensive stuff. How good he is defensively, it just. So you're saying if we had, if we had three more MVPs of the league, yeah, we would be. You would enjoy us. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> there, there's just some, there was just something about it. Like it, what what made me like if you had played. How about this? And in, in all, and uh, now nah, I don't want to do that because I, I, I know teammate wise, like what you think of these guys. So. Like Higashioka in what he had done in the postseason uh, towards the end of the year. Um, it, it, it's because of the Gary Sanchez stuff. I just, you hadn't seen enough development and enough like F you in him. And I know it's there. I know, look, this is from afar, right? This is not me saying I know, but this is what I saw. Like, as far as, you know, I, I just wanted to see more growth from him. And, I feel like the the guys that you don't see that growth from, like a, a Mike Zanino on the offensive side, he brought it defensively, like every night. And I know Gary Sanchez got better defensively, but still not enough where Garrett Cole trusted him. You know, like where you, it just there was that feeling. So that that that's a big part of it for me. Um, you know, the I, again, like what Luke Voigt did, what 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 Lemayhew is, what Aaron Judge is, I love. Brett Gardner, yeah, for sure. It just, eh, it's just not everything together at the same time with you guys because you guys weren't healthy enough throughout the season. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But it doesn't make me. It doesn't make me right. I know it doesn't make me right. But that's the that's the beauty of what that's the beauty of you because you understand your teammates. You know the people in the situation that you're in. You're going to defend them. Why? Because you know them. And I'm giving an opinion. And as far as being away from it. Uh, I, I just think if you guys were healthier throughout the season, I think we would have seen that and probably, you know, been able to, to turn, you know, my mind into a different way, but it just, that, that's how I look. No doubt. And that's the beauty of baseball is people, whether they try to or not, they appreciate a certain type of type of baseball play, type of baseball player. And it's no different in in Philly. Yeah. Look at the look at the players 
who Phillies fans are infatuated with. And look at how they play. Yep. They yep. are always – it is – there is common attributes. There's common attributes of managers. There's common attributes. But the, the one the one underlying or overall similar thing of people who are loved, especially in a city of Philly, it's no different in other cities, but especially in a city like Philly, is winning. Mm-hmm. You come up with a way to win, they will love you. And you, you there's no no doubt about that. Winning takes over everything, but the appreciation for your job, right? Like appreciation yep. of being a baseball player, understanding everything that goes into it, and loving, like showing that you don't have to smile, you know, to enjoy your job, Chase. Yep. But it, it it's one of those things where he was infatuated with baseball, with winning, with yep. being prepared, and all that stuff. Where people. I, I, you cling on to it. I cling on to that stuff because I appreciated my time as a baseball player and I loved it. So I, I, I follow that, yeah. that type thing. And I would say, and I would say less, less infatuation with being a baseball player and more focused on being a baseball player. Like they don't, yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. a reason, a reason Chase Utley was, was so loved in Philly was because he was a, he was, so focused on baseball, he wasn't worried about the other stuff. Yeah, no, and he wasn't and worried about other things. That you know, I think certain people who have come in to the city, whether managers or coaches or players, who are focused on other things and think they have a a grip on it, you know, you miss out. Oh, you know, yeah. you can remember times in your career when you weren't as focused. Yep, and you probably didn't play as well. Nope, or you know, you were you're worried about something else. And something else is going on at home. You don't play as well. Yep. No, for sure. Are you ready to play a game? Let's play. All right. It's called Waffled or Not. Waffled. Waffled here on Pine Tower for breakfast. So uh, I'm going to give you a picture. And you're going to tell me if you waffled them and if you have a good story about it. Uh, let me know. Okay. So this is a combo one. I, I, I thought it would be, um, I thought you would enjoy it. You can tell me if I'm way okay. off on it. Um, okay. But I call this the mouth breather one. And John Lackey. It, yeah, John Lackey and uh, Tom Gorzolani. We're going to go combo. Gorzolani. Yeah. <laughs> uh, waffled. So, okay, so both of them are waffled. And uh, John Lackey, mouth breather. Tom Gorzolani, definitely a mouth breather. Uh, you're one for five against Gorzolani. But it was you shot one him. One for five, really. One for five, yeah, you shot him. Uh, no, I know that. That was my first career pump. Dead uh, center pinch hit. You went, you went in bushes. Uh, you definitely went bushes there against Gorzlani. Anyway, uh, yep. and John Lackey, two for four with a double and a homer. So you have a combined one double, two homers, three hits, all extra base hits, Definitely like a, a 1750 OPS against both of them combined. You're bad. Wow. So you waffled them. Ian Ian Anderson is also a mouth breather, and I have two home runs against him. Maybe I'm missing <laughs> my my true scatter report. <laughs> uh, if he's a mouth breather, 
bet on Kratzy. Like, this would be, like, perfect. If people knew this before for DraftKings, like, you got, like, you know, DraftKings or or FanDuel. Yeah, you're like, put him in the lineup. Mouth breather (laughs) on in there. Uh, All right. Um, Let's go non-expressionless guy, uh, Jordan Zimmerman. No, did not waffle him. Yeah, over 10. He used to get me out all the time. I mean, I have a sack fly against him to right field, and that feels like that feels like I I beat the world on that play. He only punched he you out one time, throwing. though. No, that's what I mean. He just kept throwing the same pitch over yep. and over again, and it kept popping it up. Popped him up. Well, if oh, this yeah. makes you feel better, uh, you have 10 at-bats. You have no hits against him. Uh, I have, like, 10 of those guys that I'm over 10 against. So you're good. That's your only guy. You, you could say that yeah, you're 0 yeah. for 10 against. That's it. Yeah. That's I broke it. that up when I got a hit off of – I was 0 for 11 off of Gio Gonzalez for a while before I got a hit. You got so. two against him. He was not going to be in that waffle yeah. or not because uh, we both shared the four strikeouts together. So that's good. Um, okay. Well, let's go this route. Um, ooh, I like this one. Mike Leake. I had incredible numbers against him until he was my first guy that I had two homers against. Hmm. But, man, he reinvented himself. He started to develop more of a sinker. He used to just all be cutter. Yeah. And I waffled him. I waffled him in Philly. Yep. Deep left center style. And then I waffled him on a slider in Cincinnati, like third row. So probably not a homer in most places, but I remember Deion Navarro was catching. But yeah, I and then I, I oh man. Do you know the count? I, mean, I faced him on the homer? Yeah, the, the when you shot on the left, when you shot on the left. Yeah, that was two strikes. Yeah, two two count. Two oh count on your deep fly ball to the left center. I mean just you know, my knowledge of knowing this is unbelievable. Uh I could relive that these. <laughs> and I undressed Leak on the at yeah, bat before I undressed him uh line drive back up the middle. And it was just a straight Charlie Brown ball right back at him. Face hit. So I was one for two. I think I started my career off three for three against that guy, two homers. You did with four RBIs. And then uh, then you, you proceeded to go for eight, but you still waffled him. I'm, I'm giving you the waffle. No, yeah. I, I need that waffle because he owned me late here. Yeah, yeah, but we're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. True. Like, True. That, that's not the point. Uh, Mike Miner. Uh, no waffles. But I whack that guy. No, 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 no. Waffle doesn't mean homers. Waffle no, no, no. just means Waffle's... owning them. Yeah, yeah. So I did whack you... Mike Miner. Uh, four, 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 four for eight with two doubles is, is waffling someone. Yeah, I own him. I own him. I mean, they just kept throwing They just kept throwing heaters in. It was when I first got called up for a longer extended period of time and David Ross would call heaters in. Brian McCann would call heaters in. And I just I don't have a good enough swing pass to, to hit anything other than heaters in. And so I would just hit line drives over Chipper Jones, by Chipper Jones. Yeah, it was – I waffled him. Carlos, I remember, I don't have as many at-bats as you do in the big league. Uh, you'd be surprised. I don't even know. Hang on. Uh, Carlos Martinez. I'll get those numbers too. <laughs> My favorite Carlos Martinez story was I got traded to the Pirates. Um, 
in 2016, and I flew from I flew from Fresno on a four o'clock flight to get into Pittsburgh, which obviously is not direct. It's not even direct to the first two airports I went to. But I got into Pittsburgh at 6:30, got my uniform on for a seven o'clock game, missed the anthem. Uh, but by the seventh inning. They brought me into a seven, eight run game. And they brought in Archimedes Camarena, mm-hmm. who was throwing a hundred with stink and a fork ball at 93. And so that was the first guy I got to catch. And then I got in at bat in the ninth. And I'm like, oh, Carlos Martinez, he's still out there. He's got like 90, 100 pitches, something like that. I'm like, he doesn't have any idea who I am. Yachty knows Yachty knows who I am. He's going first pitch eater for sure. I'm going to click him. Brand new team. Got this. Everyone's going to love me. Yep. First pitch. Swing at a ball that was at my chin. Okay, I'm down in the hole. Next pitch, paint. Strike two, 99. Next pitch. Foul ball, curveball in the dirt. Yachty picks it. Game over. We'll see you. What? Throw mm-hmm. it down? No, it didn't. It's a nine, eight run game, whatever it was, seven run game. No, nope, game's over. <laughs> like three people in the stands in Pittsburgh are like, why did we trade for you? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, Carlos Martinez. Yeah, Absolute oh, ownership. 0 for 5, 4 punches. It's okay. Uh, the final one for you, uh, Aroldis Chapman. Come on. Absolute waffles. It's either waffle or nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Game. You. It's 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 like my Strasburg. So it's either uh, waffled or, or punch out. Every single at bat has gone 3-2 except for one of them. My homer for the tie in Philly – and then Freddie walked it off, was 3-2, after Cliff got picked off at of first base. Mm-hmm. My double in Cincy was on a slider 3-2 with Colby Rasmus on second base. Fact. And, yeah, Colby was on second, and I hit a double off the wall to score him for the game-winning hit in the ninth. And we had come back from, I think, down eight or nine that day. I think it was eight. And we ended up winning, I think, like 14-10 or something like that. We scored a couple more after they took him out. But, yep, that was my double. And then you guys were down the nine. have all been – You guys were down out. eight nothing in the uh, bottom of the second inning. You scored three in the top half of the third. Bottom of the fifth, you okay. scored a run, and then you went two, three, one, five. Yep, and then we went – yep. And I came in that game. I came in that game late. That was my first at bat. I don't think it wasn't a pinch hit, but we were in a National League Park, so we double switched. And I came in that game late. Yeah. So you uh, that was career tolls two five double homer sixteen hundred OPS four hundred average for those that can't really do math. Uh, wow. you, you did punch out three times, but you uh, you know oh, yeah. in today's analytical age. You average six point four pitches per plate appearance against him. You're bad. Oh, I told him in 2018 when I finally got to play with him, or in 17 I played with him. 
but I never caught him in a game. I just warmed him up in the bullpen. Um, in 18, we were working on new sign sequences during spring training because we knew that the Astros were stealing signs the year before, but the MLB didn't do anything about it. Um, but we were working on new sign sequences, and Chappie comes in, and I'm catching him, and I call a fastball, and he throws the slider, and boom, I caught it and held it for the strike, strike three. We go in, and I said, I said, hey, I said, you know, we were going – I think it was previous pitch at that time. Yeah. I said, we are going previous pitch. And I said, I put down, it was, it was two, three, one. And he thought I went two, three, three, one. And he was like, Oh, my bad, Poppy. I said, Hey, don't worry about it. I see you well, so don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, he looked, tell me, tell me he took a step and turned back and went like, what, what'd you say? (laughs) No, no, no. He thought, he thought that was funny. There was very few uh, days where I didn't so bring good. up that I have a homer off them. Oh, I very would. Few days. Well, I had like I would if do I that with a, Strauss, but like I had to, you know, pick and choose my days. I didn't want to make sure that he yeah. was, uh, you know, disheartened. No, no, no. Yeah, no, I will dishearten somebody. Yeah, I know. If you. I hit a homer off you, I'm gonna let you know. Yeah. Well, thank God I didn't get, get the face you because you would have shot me. Anyway, Eric yeah. Kratz, you have been phenomenal right here on Pine Tar for breakfast. We will do it again. As the postseason continues, maybe we'll do like a little World Series uh, preview when that comes up. Let's do it. And I'm in. Okay, you're in. I got you. There we go. You might you might lose some viewers or downloaders. Or no, no, no. Called, the but... downloads are already low, so we're good. Well, this will raise it. This, this will definitely raise it. I just throw Eric Kratz in there. People yeah. who love bacon, go for it. All right, brother. Perfect. Appreciate you having me on, dude. Thanks, dude. And there he is. One of my favorite people. One of my best buddies, Eric Kratz. Great stuff from him as far as, well, anything and everything we touched on as far as the Rays, the Astros, Dodgers and Braves, and just baseball in general. The Waffle or not, but we appreciate the big guy for coming in and spending his time. That guy's going to be one hell of a manager, one hell of a broadcaster, whatever he chooses to do. He's done it all, and he came on. The Pintar for Breakfast podcast. Appreciate you all. Until next time. Peace.